si sufrir que no ves que más no puedo Welcome to Comadres y Comics Episode 12 guys, how are you guys doing? I feel great, I'm Woo. so excited 12 episodes, it's like Amazing. Yeah, it is. It feels like we've been doing this forever now. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Thank you guys for uh, listening. If uh, you uh, listened to episode 11, we are so sorry that, <laughs> <laughs> that it went off for so long. Apparently, we had a lot to talk about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, but it, it was cool because I think everything we talked about was really relevant and actually it was a good conversation stream. It's just too much. Uh, but thanks for sticking around, guys. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what's the cheese of the semana? Jen? Oh, <laughs> well, uh, for those of you who are gearing up to see the Wonder Woman movie, um, there has been uh, some new trailers released that have teased or basically pretty much confirmed the antagonist for Wonder Woman. And it is none other none other than the God of War himself, Ares. <gasps> no way. Oh, what? Yeah. Oh, my God. So, I'm super excited because if they're going to do like a George Perez. Yes, that's what movie, I was just thinking right now. Sign me the fuck up. That's it. Yeah. Like, I was going to go already, but now I'm actually excited. To yes. Go. Nice. I'm just... <laughs> so, um, do they know who is going to sign on as to play Ares or not yet? Uh, yes. It, um, um, it says right here that David Lewis is shown in the film in his human form as Sir Patrick Morgan and teased as the fiery Ares. This is from Newsarama, and they're the ones who have basically done, like, a, it's a, basically a small, like, little, like, we think this is. Mm-hmm. We're pretty sure that this is Aries, that he's uh, okay. going to be Aries. And they have both of the trailers up on their website. So I'll post that one to the Facebook page afterwards. Oh, <laughs> excellent. I'm so excited about that. Anything that I can relate to George Perez, Wonder Woman, makes me so super excited about this movie. Mm-hmm. I was so nervous about uh, this Wonder Woman coming out. Um, because I wanted them to do justice to the character, to her, um, to her iconic role that she has within the comic book industry, um, and just within the DC universe, I really did not want to be disappointed, and even more so, I did not want to be angry after leaving that movie, but this makes me, um, really, really excited to hear that they might be pulling more stuff from the Perez stuff. Same here. Absolutely. I mean, I'm going to watch it regardless, but this is just great news on top of great news. So for me, I'm just like, I'm all set. I can't wait. I'm doing this now. Like, <laughs> I would, midnight show. Midnight show, definitely. I'm ready. I'm super pumped, especially after um, there's been some news articles and some people have been pointing out that DC, mm. as usual, yeah. hasn't been doing a good job promoing the Wonder Woman movie. Yeah. And when they pointed it out, I realized, you know what? Mm-hmm. It's right because I haven't seen the trailer for Wonder Woman in any TV or online or any of those kinds of ads. And so, like, like when Batman vs Superman was coming out, Jesus Christ, I couldn't hit a fucking website with that fucking ad up there <laughs> all just all the time. And I'm just all like, Jesus Christ, okay, I get it. I'm gonna go see BBS. But for Wonder Woman, like, I don't see like me. I maybe see like a. Facebook ad every once in a while, mm-hmm. but like there's nothing yeah. like m- maybe a few billboards, but 
this is one of your most iconic female characters ever. She's part of the Trinity. Why aren't you doing a better job? Celebrating 75 years this year. 75 years. Exactly. And remember that we talked about this when we um, uh, did George Perez's Wonder Woman book. That for that the reason George Perez basically yes. lost off the book yes. was because he felt that DC wasn't doing enough to celebrate her 50th mm-hmm. anniversary, and it's just like, come on, DC, like you're doing this all over again. Just show some love. Do you do you think they're doing that only because they sunk so much into uh, Batman versus Superman as far as like promoting and just the movie itself cost so much that now they're just gonna hopefully just go by word of mouth as at this point with wonder woman uh they're just laying low with suicide squad they i have up. to say that mm. that's that's an interesting point because that just like jen one. said uh bbs was all over the place they even mm. have us had a snapchat filter it was ridiculous like it was all over mm-hmm. the place they even had one for suicide squad yes i, I, yeah, I saw that. the suicide mm-hmm. squad one it was annoying as shit so I, I i just don't understand though if the if if dc and who's the studio is it warner, warner brothers? brothers okay warner brothers. so if dc and warner brothers are going to make a movie why wouldn't they put 100 percent into the marketing of it and uh-huh. again Especially it being one of their one of their most iconic female characters. Uh, she's like it. She as is far as, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah as far as female yeah. he- superheroes, she's it. She's like the person. Casual mm-hmm. comic fans would be hard pressed to name any other comic hero, uh, superhero that's female mm-hmm. in the DC universe. Casual mm-hmm. fans, of course, readers would be able to name a mm-hmm. whole bunch off. But I yeah. mean, it, seriously, it, if if you want to be able to um, to reach those particular people um, to come into the to the shop uh, to the shop to the show to watch the movie for sure i would say that they should be putting a lot more into their marketing and it's true and it's just like not only that it's that wonder woman is up there uh, with batman and superman as mm-hmm. you're saying that they, she's along those iconic lines like forget black widow forget even batgirl i love batgirl but it's it's wonder woman yes. she is the icon more so than any other female character that ever has been and the fact that they're not putting as much effort into it it's not giving me confidence in the movie itself but hearing this news about Ares about him going in there that might possibly go through a George Perez route has made me really excited yeah finally I'm finally feeling something you guys (laughs) (laughs) and just a quick shout out too for George Perez who um had a um a a health scare over the weekend oh yes that's true yeah he it was kind of reported that he might have had a heart attack and was in mm-hmm. the hospital, but um, it's—I'm not sure if that is actually what happened. But he did have to go to the hospital, uh, and then stuff has come out today, and I think even yesterday, saying that he's doing much better. Yeah. Oh, good. So, good. Definitely. Come on, I want to meet the dude, Kristen. You already met him. <laughs> Jealous? Of the MV is real. <laughs> nice. Yes, he he signed my Wonder Woman number one from his. Uh, from his run and oh, also nice. yeah and also of course my um infinity gauntlet number one that hey. is so cool that is so <laughs> cool well my is pretty much just um it's old news but i feel that you guys need like to be reminded just because it's going to be like a special event where you could actually meet us 
um, at uh, we, we will be at the East LA Comic Con Saturday, May the 20th at El Gallo Plaza. Uh, it's at 4545 East Cesar E. Chavez Avenue, East LA 90022. We will have a table, and we might have free conchas, guys, so <laughs> please put it on your calendar. No yeah. cafecito, sorry. No, sorry, no cafecito. <laughs> it's going to be hot. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, definitely. No champurrado either, because that really oh, runs yeah. hot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But you can meet us there, and uh, come up to our booth. You, we will re- be recording um, live, so hopefully you guys can come up. You know, get a shout out or talk comics with us. We're definitely looking forward to it. We will also be at Heidi Hill Comics on May 6th for free comic book day. That's at 1431 Lincoln Boulevard, Santa Monica 90401. Now, uh, at Heidi Hill Comics, I really highly recommend you park in the, uh, it was the lower two levels. Um, it's a $5 for the entire day so if you come early you park there and you're it's not very far it's like a nice beautiful walk as a matter of yes. fact i've done this the lower levels of the santa monica public library mm-hmm. absolutely so please come say hello we might have a recording there as well and we will have frequentas there so and some chiclets <laughs> <laughs> so you guys have some free prizes too so please show up please come over say hello I look forward to, like, meeting you guys. That would be so awesome. Also, please remember that if you review um, our podcast on iTunes, we are still doing that um, giveaway. So it's not too late to enter a review, rate, and do all that good stuff on iTunes. Thanks so much. And that's my cheese, man. What about you, Kristen? Uh, just a little piggyback on yours. Um, both of these events, uh, the Free Comic Book Day Heidi Hill Comic Con, uh, at Heidi Hill Comics and also the East Los Angeles uh, Comic Convention in East LA are both completely free. What? <laughs> so you don't have to pay any money to get in, and there's going to be creators, artists, writers, um, a whole bunch of cool stuff going on. So uh, definitely, if you are in either of those areas, this May 6th for Free Comic Book Day or May 20th for the East LA Comic Con, please stop by. It's going to be amazing. So, um, my cheese man, uh, it has a little bit to do with Reconflict Day. There are um, some uh, some people losing their minds over the uh, it's the Secret Empire Reconflict Day book that is coming out on May sixth. Um, it's the it's the one it's it's the Marvel book where it's half Secret Empire and half I think Spider Man. Um, and is it Secret Empire? Now that I'm thinking about it, I can't remember. But it's this—it's the story that ties into Secret Empire. Um, this is some big cheese, and it's a spoiler. And I don't even know if I should say it, but it's all over the—it's all over the uh, internet. So I'm gonna go ahead and uh, just spill it right now. Um, in this book, Captain America is shown holding Mjolnir. No way, dude! No way! No way! <laughs> Yeah, and uh, what? And so, those of you who aren't following the Captain America storyline right now, this is a big deal. And the thing is, I haven't read it yet, and I think a lot of people who are complaining online have not read it yet either. Because duh, it's not free comic book day; they don't have a copy. Um, so I don't know if this is like a flashback or like if it's part of the, that storyline or what it is, but the big controversy is that right now Captain America's 
um, basically a Hydra agent. He's like... He's a Nazi. <laughs> he is... Um, he is... Uh, the, 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 the cube, the... What's it? The co... co- I can't say Cosmic it. Cosmic cube. cube <laughs> Koblisk. Um, has made it possible for Hydra agents to go back in time and basically they groomed uh, Steve from a small child into uh, their, like, A number one Hydra agent. So um, it's not like they, 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 like, changed his memory or anything. They went back and changed his life um, so that he would be... um, he would be loyal to Hydra. And so, of course, as Jen uh, <laughs> mentioned, there's this big controversy because, especially with all the Trump stuff going on in uh, in uh, America right now, people are basically saying, hey, look, there's no pussyfooting around the fact that uh, Kirby and Stan Lee uh, created Hydra to be a stand-in for Nazi Party. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it's you take the... the a number one American character from Marvel, and you make him a Nazi, that has really ruffled a lot of feathers. Wow. And then, not only do you make him a Nazi, but you show him being worthy, quote-unquote, of picking up Mjolnir, which, if you know, for those of you who are um, familiar with the Thor um, lore and mythology, only those who are worthy can pick up Mjolnir, and Mjolnir can tell who you are from inside and as a person and and whether or not you are worthy to pick up that hammer. So if it's showing Captain America holding Mjolnir, that's just like a big deal. And again, Mm -hmm. no one's actually read it. They've just seen this this one uh, page of him holding it up. We don't know what it is. how it's playing into the story that's being told in that free comic book day book. Um, but if you uh, can get your hands on it, then you and I will both know that day what, what's going on. But that's the <laughs> big cheese that's happening this week. That is so crazy. You know what? It's blowing my mind. I can't even, I can't even, guys. I can't even. <laughs> Seriously, like, because, I mean, he's, you know, he's obviously a Nazi and he's holding uh, Thor's hammer. And I'm he's like, no. Him, you. Like we all know that even from people who have just only seen the movies, you know that that's a thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I mean, every one of the Avengers has tried to pick it up. And as in the in the movie, actually, doesn't uh, Captain America start to try to and it kind of shakes? Kind of shakes. Yeah. 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 I remember It moves that. a little, so he's not and then w- And then we, we were all kind of in awe when, um, God, uh, the character that is Jarvis, uh, the Vision, when... He oh, yeah, uh-huh. so we uh-huh. were like, whoa, you know, it's a whoa moment. But, um, <laughs> yeah. No, man, I can't believe this. I, I, I can't wait to read this. <laughs> so, yeah, so get your hands on the, the Marvel Free Comic Book Day on Saturday because it's, uh, it's definitely on everyone, uh, everyone's mind and to see what really is the situation going on. I'm going to read it just so I can say that I was right. Nick <laughs> uh, Spencer is a hack. Um, oh, what? <laughs> That's crazy. Put, put on the cat. Put on the cat. <laughs> <laughs> I am actually enjoying the story. Mm-hmm. Um, I I had 
been a little bit behind on the story, on the issues, but caught up and I'm actually enjoying it a lot. And I'm really interested to see how this all plays out and uh, to really see, because um, I'm sure Nick and all of the creators behind uh, the title have a plan and know what they're going so, to do. Yeah, absolutely. So, mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> for you to like describe the fact that they actually traveled back in time and kind of like hijacked him as a kid. Yeah. Then yeah, it, it makes sense to me now. But still, it's kind of you know I still have to read it, but it's it's heartbreaking to know that Captain America is actually you know, yeah. in Hydra. Mm-hmm. So lots of people are upset about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the only one. Yeah. So um. So, that's it for our achievement. Okay, thank you guys for the achievement. All right, guys, so what beer are we reviewing today? Well, Sarah, thank you so much for bringing this awesome beer in for us to taste. It is um, called NXS. And I just keep thinking about in excess. Right, that's exactly <laughs> what I thought. I keep thinking, like, exactly. It's NXS red ipa um and the cool thing about this one is it's a collaboration beer so um those of you who are avid craft uh brewery beer drinkers you know that um breweries a lot of times will um hook up and and do collaborations and release um a certain amount of beers um, of that collaboration sometimes it's just a one-off and they never do it again but apparently this one was a collaboration that had been done before but when it was done the first First time it was Sierra Nevada and Stone Brewery in 2015, but now we're drinking the uh, the NXS Red IPA, which is a collaboration between uh, Sierra Nevada and now it's Carl Strauss. So uh, the cool thing is that uh, they they give you a little bit of history about uh, craft brewery. Uh, craft brewing, talking about how its inception um, really started here in California. California right. I had no yeah. idea. Me neither. That's I had no really idea. interesting to me. I always knew and we were revolutionary. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know we are revolutionary, that's for sure. But one of the things that also was surprising is that uh, each brewery, um, Carl Strauss and Sierra Nevada, they have like a 65-year experience in brewing yeah. beer. Uh-huh. So I'm like, whoa. Yeah, and... Uh, Car- both of them actually are known for their more mass market produced beers, mm-hmm. um, but mm-hmm. they do have their craft brewery line. And um, I think that um, the cool thing about this one is uh, it, it really pays um, homage to the fact that California has such a, a, a big, nice history in craft brewing. And so the NXS actually stands for. Um, North California and Southern California that they've melded together because they talk about the fact that California's history um, uh, with craft brewing uh, actually includes the fact that the brewery, the brewing in Northern California is distinctly different than the brewing in Southern California, California. <laughs> just with uh, the the hops that they use and, and just the brewing techniques and stuff. So I thought that was really interesting. That's pretty exactly. cool. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. So um, I think that. Uh, I'm going to just read off what it says that uh, this is. It has um, the stats that the the ABV is 6.5%. 
It's not that um, it, it's it's an IPA, but it's not that uh, high in alcohol mm-hmm. with with regards to an IPA. I mean, I've drank some really high ABV IPAs. It's probably about like mi- middle of the road, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, the bitterness is 54 IBU. Um, it's a it's a red IPA, and it actually tells you that um, a lot of people like certain hops in their beer. They use Chinook, Mosaic, and Centennial. So I think uh, that uh, we all have had a chance to take uh, a drink. So what do you guys think? Jealous is with you because you're almost done with yours. <laughs> <laughs> and she's not an IPA lover at all. Yeah. Um, hold up. Let me take another sip just to be sure. I'm going to give it a full. Because uh, I'm going to have to admit, when I first took a sip of it, Kristen saw my face. <laughs> and I was just like, mm, I don't know. And, uh, but as I kept drinking it, it, it's it's really good. And you served it cold. And honestly, I'm like dying of the heat right now. Yes. So it cooled me down. So it's it's pretty good. It's a pretty chill beer. And um, it's not too bitter. I, 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 I like it. Um, uh, it's pretty good. And... Overall, yeah, I'm just going to give it a full. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Actually, um, to mention that, you said uh, I served it chilled. But you know what? I felt that I could feel more of the flavor coming in after I let it sit for a while. Yeah. Um, a so bit, that yeah. W- it's, it could be served both cold and it could stand just kind of, I wouldn't say milking it, but just taking your time with this. I think it changes the flavor a little bit. Um, I like it because it's uh, really refreshing and it feels like really fresh like um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i i could almost um i could almost say it's almost like i got it on tap because mm. it's so fresh and refreshing huh. um i like the fact that it's um not bitter like not yeah. super bitter it's and not. i don't there's no aftertaste almost mm-hmm. i feel that there mm-hmm. isn't any aftertaste so this is something that um i really like so i'm going to also give it um I'm going to give it a full as well, yes, because I'm still, like, I'm still, you know, waiting for that white buffalo, that rigid, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, for me, this is a full. I would, I definitely like it. Another thing I read was that it's only available in California. Yes. So, uh-huh. uh, so, so if you guys are, if you guys are beer trading, uh, put this on your list when you ask for a beer trade. I am, um, so, um, and I think that's a one-time brew on this this yeah. regular corroboration so yeah get your hands on it yeah uh, it's uh, available only in 22 ounce bottles and it came out in mid-march so it's very it's fairly fairly new so uh, well you still got your hands on it so it's still out there mm-hmm. oh yeah absolutely but yes uh for those of you out there um i know that there's a, a large family of beer traders so um i really believe that this is something you should look into trading cool yeah. so for me I really enjoy IPAs, and um, I used to not. I really had to work my way up to it. Um, That real hoppy aftertaste was not something that I enjoyed Um, until I think I grew into my my beer palate, and and now it's actually something that I really look forward to in an IPA. So for that reason alone, I'm giving it a partial only because um, this it's a red IPA, um, so that definitely uh, is a, a difference there. But there, for me, the aftertaste there isn't one. It's the my the aftertaste in my mouth is just of water. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really watery to me after. Um, but I fully recommend this for beer drinkers who do not like IPAs. Um, it's 
it like you guys both have said, it's very quenching. When it was cold, it was very crisp. It was mm-hmm. refreshing. Um, it's an IPA that you could drink, um, I think, uh, over a barbecue or, you know, even if, with IPAs, if you drink more than one, you're already you're already out of it. But this one, it's a six. It's a 6.5, but um, I think just with the um, the flavor, it, you could continue to drink it and not it, it not be overbearing to whatever it is you're eating. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that and you actually looked into that. Was um, that there is a kind of like a it cuts out like you don't have a lingering aftertaste, mm-hmm. um, and you said a little bit watered down. I think this is a safe IPA. Yes. I would have to yes. say uh-huh. that if you're going to like a fa- an event where um, you know, you bring something, you bring this, and yeah. it's not, you're not going to get those people that are like, ew, this is so yes. bitter. Or, you know, <laughs> um, or, oh, my God, what is it you brought? It's gone bad. When <laughs> I don't want to share, I take um, I take Arrogant Bastard or Scopin. Yes, <laughs> I agree. Most people don't want to drink it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, yeah, you've got, you, yeah, that makes sense. But, yeah, this is something that you would definitely end up sharing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, um, most of the time, women don't drink beer, so mm-hmm. this is something that you could start them off with as far as craft beers go. Yeah, I mean, I, I when I'm in the craft bre- uh, craft breweries, um, I really love it when I see uh, women in there uh, enjoying Me beer. Too. And I mean, we're all women here, and we all uh, I I I inducted Jen into yeah. the. <laughs> into the beer drinking club she, she uh, me beer, <laughs> so if you do club. know uh, a woman or a man who um, might be a little reluctant to uh, try IPA because they've tried one that they didn't like this would definitely be something that they would I think enjoy absolutely I agree so there you guys have it um, yeah definitely look for it I know it's not available in the east coast and if you're listening in the east coast and again uh, maybe talk to your local um, uh, what is it? Um, beer liquor trading? store? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. liquor store. Maybe the the owners there they do beer trading and just ask about it. Maybe they'll be able to get their hands on it. All right, guys. Uh, we today are going to be uh, spoiling the heck out of Thirteen Reasons <laughs> Why, which is a series. Uh, actually, I don't know if it's an ongoing series, but it's. Um, it's available on Netflix, all 13 episodes. Yeah, I don't yeah. think it's an ongoing series. It was an adaptation of a YA book mm-hmm. that, um, gosh, I don't even know when it was um, published. I want to say it was in the early 2010s or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's it barely no good. Yeah. You know. Within the last couple of years, I'm going to say. Yeah, so it's not ongoing, um, but yes, it's on Netflix, and it was, uh, gosh, what was the beginning of April, I think, that it came out? Oh, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yep. Yeah, so uh, I talked about it. It was on my radar mm-hmm. uh, last week. Was it on my radar or was it my cheese mat? I don't remember which one, but <laughs> one of we, those we discussed it last week, um, and now um, we've all had the opportunity. Um, well, Jen has on the, uh, had the opportunity to discuss it um, at length with her little sister, and yeah. both Sarah and I have finished watching it. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, basically, what's the storyline, Kristen? So the storyline is um, of our main character, Hannah, who um, we find out um, uh, at, well, when do we find out? We find out that uh, Hannah leaves 
uh, some tapes, a box of tapes to her friend. What's his name? Justin. Justin, thank you. I'm sorry, uh, Clay. Clay. Oh, Clay. No, okay. I'm sorry. He leaves them to Tony, but we don't know that Tony has them. We first see oh, that's we, right. We okay, see, see, so see, I told you. I'm going to forget. Well, anyway, <laughs> Hannah is a teenage girl who um, ha- is dealing with a lot of personal, emotional um, issues. And we find out during um, the course of the 13 episodes that she has killed herself. Uh, and uh, she leaves behind a sort of quote-unquote note, a uh, suicide note, in the um, form of tapes. Uh, that she has recorded both front and back. And she leaves them with, uh, she leaves them with somebody with instructions to listen and then pass them on to the next person on the list. Mm -hmm. And so we come in when her friend Clay um, gets the, uh, gets the tapes and we basically go on his journey while he's listening to the tapes. Um, Yes, and actually um, it's really crazy because, we don't know this at the beginning when it's starting off when we're we're taking this journey with Claire, but other people have, have already, already listened, listened yeah. to their tape. Um, so we have the first tape. It date it relates with Justin. Now, what did Justin do? He basically um, took her out. Um, they kissed, and um, there was a photograph of her going down the slide, and she um, you could see her underwear, mm-hmm. and and he made it seem like they had had relations. So yeah. At this point, she's new to the school, and now everybody thinks she's a slut. And the interesting thing is is that he took the picture, and he, in, the, in, the, in that episode where it focuses on what actually happened, the way that I interpreted it was that he took the picture, and he was kind of like, uh, like kind of proud of it, and like, oh, sharing it and whatever. But that other dude, Bryce, Bryce, uh, he took knows. it, and he's the one who ran with it and spread it to everyone. And I don't really think, and as you kind of see throughout the other episodes, that Justin was really on board with that. But because Bryce was kind of this big man-on-campus bully kind of guy, he went along with it. Right. But they also have, you, as, as the story unfolds, you see Bryce is, and Justin's relationship. Justin comes from a, a, a home where yeah. his mom uses drugs. Yeah. Uh, he, he has a, an abusive stepfather. Mm-hmm. And um, Bryce is really rich. Um, and um, what ends up happening is uh, Justin always crashes that yeah. house. Yeah, he, he, he basically has his back when he needs it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, he makes it seem like he, you know, they're really good friends. Yeah. But Bryce is, uh, again, like always asking kind of really weird requests from mm-hmm. his friend Justin. And this is just one of the things that he did to him. Yeah. Um, and to Hannah. Yeah. Inadvertently. So, yeah, so this, the, the first tape has to do with the fact that this, uh, photo gets spread all throughout the high school. school. Yeah. Everybody sees. I mean, in this day and age, uh, it's like a, a phone tree. Everyone, <laughs> everyone's sitting in class, and all their phones start buzzing, mm-hmm. and then everyone starts looking and laughing at her. So that's her, the first thing that happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the second person who's on the books is Alex. Uh, who's in the, on the tapes is Alex. Um, Alex is this fellow who also was new in the area. Um, and he befriends um, Hannah and another girl who, who uh, her, her dad's in the military, so they move around a lot. And um, her name is... I don't remember her name. I can picture her clear as day. 
I think her name is Jennifer. She's on the tapes. Is it Jennifer? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, keep talking. I'll look for her name. Yeah, so... Uh, Alex, uh, they, they, they're all kind of like a trio of newcomers to this school, and they all, um, they all are hanging out and getting to know each other, and they're there for each other, kind of trying to get them through the... Jessica. It is Sorry. Jessica. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Not Jennifer, Jessica. <laughs> yeah. Kind of get through the awkwardness of being new to a school and not knowing anybody, and then also just really now Hannah having this thing that has happened to her trying to... Because there's a there's a a part a part in it where I don't remember what tape it is where she actually shares with them what happened shares with Jessica what happened and they're all kind of like what's their thing that they say oh fuck my life uh, <laughs> uh, FML FML for life uh, F- FML, FML yeah, for life and yeah. then they like do the whole yeah. little, like kind of a little musketeer salute yeah. FML for life and I thought it was really cute mm-hmm. until um, Alex and Jessica fall for each other yeah mm-hmm. and so now they alienate hannah so i don't know if any of either of you have had this happen and i really um i really identified with how hannah felt here um not because my friends uh i had a, a friend that was a boy that they went off and they they got together and kind of left me behind but um i've I'm sure everyone has had the experience where they've had groups of friends, and whether it be a threesome or a foursome or whatever, where at some point they split apart, and there's like some kind of maybe animosity or whatever, but when it's three, for sure, you're the lone person, mm-hmm. and then you see them every day at school hanging out and having a good time, and then you, you know oh, that I know. you used to be yeah. part of that, <laughs> and and then not only are you not part of it now, but it also seems, whether or not it's true or not, like they're doing things on purpose to like hurt you right Mm -hmm. like you're not wanted yeah yeah absolutely um and um the thing that goes bad between them is they they just get you know they just distance themselves but the thing that uh, gets alex on this tape is that um he's trying to get to a home run with jessica but jessica doesn't want to sleep with him Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so what he ends up doing is he does a list much like slam books in Mm -hmm. our day Mm -hmm. uh, where it's like best kisser i mean no best lips best you know best body best face or whatever so um alex in order to rile up jessica he puts um hannah best butt yeah He's trying to make Jessica jealous because Jessica and Hannah are friends, mm-hmm. and um, they're kind of like best friends because they only hang out with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but they uh, they are um, kind of strained in this relationship because Alex and Jessica have already gone off and are dating, and yeah. didn't know neither one of them told Hannah about it, so she kind of just saw it one day when she saw them kissing and was a little bit um, taken aback because it was like as if she was being left out. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So unfortunately for this, when when the the list gets passed around, so now um, everybody in school is like checking out her ass, mm-hmm. and some guys take the liberty to even Grab rope it. her, mm-hmm. um, which she's completely stunned. I mean, you're talking about a girl who now has been called slut, and now she's best yeah. ass. So now she's getting a lot of unwanted attention, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that I can relate to, mm-hmm. because for some reason in junior high, my butt just got really big. Like and I guess guys like that. I wasn't even aware of that uh-huh. until that moment where they started noticing, and I had to start wearing um, large sweaters and large shirts to mm-hmm. cover it because I was getting groped in the overpass. I still remember it. <laughs> um, yeah, it was horrible. 
horrible. It, I do not wish that on any teenager because it yeah. really it calls into question a lot of the things. Um, you don't feel safe. Um, you don't know who's going to do it. You, and whoever does it, you, you can't pinpoint them out. Absolutely. As a grown woman, when that happens to me, and it's happened to me, my ass, my, my boobs, um, just really inappropriate uh, touching and rubbing against me in public uh, places. As a grown woman, uh, sometimes it takes you off guard and, and you're just standing there in shock like, did you actually just effing do that right now in right. front of everybody? Mm-hmm. And I can only imagine as a teenager, um, yeah, what 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 that would feel like and how that would definitely uh, affect you. Mm-hmm. Especially with like the whole awkwardness of being a teenager and growing up and all these changes happening. Yeah. You know, with middle school or high school, like it's just... It's already too much for them. Top of that, now you suddenly—it's a rough way of be knowing that suddenly people find you sexually attractive. Absolutely, mm-hmm. that's yeah. the thing, and especially because I mean, I got my uh, my breasts when I was like in fifth grade, and and for men and boys to start sexualizing you at an age where you have absolutely no like, idea yeah. what the heck that means or I what's know. going on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I. Definitely um, something that, uh, as young girls, I think we've all experienced. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I found really interesting while watching the series is her best friend, Clay. Her friend, Clay, he's like, what are you mad about? It's a compliment. Yeah. And it's like, really, dude? Oh, my yeah. God. I could not I actually, do that. I actually love that, that they, I loved that they put that in because yeah. it shows the, um, the absolute... Um, polar understanding of when stuff like that happens to women men don't get it men and it's it's for men who are allies to women they'll listen to you and you can explain it to them and they can understand what you're saying Mm -hmm. but they can't they can't really they don't they understand the words you're saying but they'll never understand what it feels like for it to happen to them and for men who aren't allies, you just don't get it. Yeah, they just, just don't and, get and then continue to just kind of perpetuate that, uh, just negativity and like yeah, like and the fact is that he was her friend and he wasn't trying to be mean or rude, he but just didn't it was understand. he didn't understand and I and as a teenager, I think that made perp- his reaction to me made perfect, perfect sense, sense. Yeah. and I'm glad that they. Um, that they included that because one of the reasons that we're we're kind of going in depth in this uh, 13 reasons why spoiler slash critique slash just discussion is that we're we're three women who have all been teenagers (laughs) Um, and have all experienced a lot of the stuff that has that went on in this TV show and I we all think it's just really super important if we have any young female listeners that are um, listening to us talk about it if we have any adult female listeners who watched it and are just like you know don't really have people who they feel like they can uh, talk about with maybe their own personal experiences they've never shared with um, before I mean a lot of people leave high school and never want to think about it again oh yeah Um, but those experiences stay with you as an adult so um, we're just, we thought it was really important to just really talk about this show. Well, not only that, I felt like if there are any mothers that are listening to us, mm-hmm. um, maybe it's something you guys want to watch together. Mothers yeah. or um, fathers, parents, yeah. parents guardians. Right. Absolutely, you're right. Yeah, it's just, it's, I think 
Um, I personally haven't watched it, but that's because I don't think it was made for me. I think this is a show that's very firmly for people who don't understand bullying and what leads to suicide for parents mm-hmm. and for um, um and just also like kind of like as uh, like a lesson to like teenagers and stuff like that like don't do this kind of thing they're showing it to be wrong but um that's an interesting yeah. point so Absolutely. you're saying this was made for for the bullies and not necessarily the bullied yeah because um the reason i say this is because um uh tmi but <laughs> i maybe kind of did the suicide thing at one point in life. Anyways, um, <laughs> not uh, to laugh at that, but I, I mean, <laughs> you should see her cute expression. <laughs> adorable. It's just it's it um, um everything that's being described and what my sister told me, and I it's just it came back to me like in a flash, just how it felt. Yeah. And knowing that what I'm gonna see in that TV show, I know what happens. I know my little sister right. told me, and uh, after she saw it, and she kind of looked at me, and she was just like, "Is this how you felt?" Mm-hmm. Oh and I was just God. like, "I was just like, yes." And I didn't, and I. That's why I don't want to watch it. Oh, I can and totally someone, understand and, that. And someone even said, posted online that, um, uh, 13 Reasons Why" isn't for people who have tried to commit suicide or who are on suicide mm-hmm. watch, and I full-heartedly agree because the emotions and the feelings that bring up to you even right now i'm yeah. getting like a little like absolutely yeah. yeah and it's just it's it's i understand what it's doing and i'm glad that people are realizing but it's not a show for me i, I can't i can't do that again I the wounds are so fresh yeah, yeah i don't fresh. i don't i don't want to i don't want to well, yeah i don't want to do that again you know kind of going off what you're saying for me um you know, I'm really, it's really easy for me to forget stuff. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, that's how my mind works. But watching this, man, did I get flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And it was stuff that I thought I was okay with now. Mm-hmm. But it hurt to see it again because I knew how the characters felt. And yeah. that was like, it was like flashback after flashback. And I'm like, oh, my God. It's, it's, it's. Like even not having watching and just hearing what like what happens and everything, it was ju- it was like if everything had just happened yesterday. And whenever my little sister told me about it, and I was just like, this show isn't for me. I'm glad she was able to watch yeah. it, and I'm glad that she was finally able to understand something about me. Mm-hmm. Like she'd always heard about it. Yeah. Well, uh, but like it was kind of like a hush hush kind of thing. But yeah. then she watched it, and I think she finally realized something that had happened to me had really happened it wasn't just a story right like that no one wanted to talk about it was a thing then mm-hmm. but there was something that really happened wow well mm-hmm. i want to just thank you for sharing that uh not yeah. only with sarah and i but with our, <laughs> with our listeners, listeners yeah. <laughs> um and and to also just say that um you're not alone. You were never alone, even yeah. though it felt like that. And mm-hmm. I think that what you're saying is absolutely um, right in that um, a lot of people wa- who are watching the show, um, if they have those feelings, um, would definitely kind of be sucked in uh, to that. Yeah. And I'm hoping that um, if it's somebody who uh, has suicidal ideations or thoughts or Mm -hmm. has even tried will recognize too that there are people who um who are out there who can help and we see that here in in this um in this tv show it's not necessarily 
the other friends or the other teenagers. Mm-hmm. And my personal experience, since we're going the TMI route, right, <laughs> is that um, my best friend actually tried to commit suicide when I was a uh, sophomore in high school. And the thing about that situation was that I knew something was wrong. But I was a 14-year-old girl who was dealing with my own BS going on in my own life, Mm -hmm. and I just didn't know how to help. And instead of trying to get help or to tell somebody, I kind of distanced myself from her because it was just so overwhelming to have that depression and everything Top, on top of my own mm-hmm. and um, the morning I remember before school that she called me to say that she was in the hospital because she had tried to kill herself there was such an overwhelming sense and feeling of just relief that mm-hmm. finally now somebody else knows it's somebody that hopefully can help her Yeah. so um, uh, because I mean Every single person that is on that list had their own stuff that was going on. And that's another life. thing that I really like how they pointed out. It's like <clears throat> sometimes they felt they w- the other characters were feeling something from their own yeah, life. Yeah, absolutely. And then when Hannah would try to like interact with them or something, it wasn't the, it was not timed right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. she felt that she was not important, not important, yeah. or they weren't just not interested, or yeah. um, so that was kind of a factor as well. And that's one of the things that was really um, vis- visible in this series, which I was like, whoa. But then towards the end, one of the characters characters was saying, you know, if any one of us had made an effort, mm-hmm. she would still be here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It could have been anyone, she yeah. said. And, and I think that is, like, one of the greatest messages that this yeah. thing is. Because it literally, it's not even that, like, the fact that, like, you, you can still have your own problems, but sometimes all it takes is like a hey, are you, yeah. are you okay? Like what's going on? Like, like what, like what's happening? And that's that's all it takes. And that's kind of like what happened with me as well. So like it's just a hot mess. Yeah. <laughs> but in, in, being a teenager and being all this like, I'm uh, facing all these challenges. Everything is a hot mess, and everything, especially Absolutely. for teenagers, everything is so much more extra. Yes, and it that's is. Like, like, uh, uh, yes. like the like, I never begrudge anyone who who the, who like who was just like I, who was like didn't know because sometimes it's so easy to hide it. Oh it's, yeah, it's Absolutely. so easy. Like it was so easy Absolutely. to hide it in high school and for a bit in college yeah. until finally, it's sometimes even people the route that I tried to do and they either succeed or then they finally manage to get help, help. Mm-hmm. or sometimes they they manage to get help just before they do it but that's because they crack they got to that point where yeah. they crack yeah and it can go in three directions mm-hmm. and one of those is yeah so. um I absolutely agree with the the statement of it's it's so easy to hide it mm-hmm. um with my friend's situation she was the as an adult I recognized what was happening. As it was happening, all I knew is that she was going through something and nothing I did or nothing I said was helpful. Um, And none of her, she got straight A's. She was on the honor roll. Yeah. Um, She was, you know, a a model student and um, daughter. And uh, it was just... um, 
so super easy looking from the outside in to just be like, oh, you know, there's nothing wrong with her. There's nothing there. She there was no outward. But because we were um, so close and and hanging out and stuff, um, she would say things. And, yeah. and she would say things like, um, I just want to go home. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was at home. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. She would she would say things like, I just, I don't want to be here anymore. Um, I just want to go somewhere. And like, and, and as a 14-year-old, I had no idea what to say or what to do. And looking at back as an adult, for sure, I could pinpoint all the stuff that she was saying and she was doing. But as it was happening, it was just like so like overwhelming for me. Um, and it was just in the beginning of like um, I started to do like peer counseling at school and just like starting to kind of understand and, and get some like information for myself of like what to do in those situations. Um, but it was um, definitely hidden from every other adult in her life. Yep. And, and that's another thing I like about the series is you also see how the adults, I mean, they are at their wits and they're like, tell me what's wrong. Tell me. Yes. And the kids are just like, I yes. can't. Like, or nothing. Or and nothing. Just, yeah, and nothing then just storm wrong. out or just yep. like silent treatment. Yep. And it's like yeah. there was a um, po- moment where... Um, Clay was eating, uh, eating with, and this dad was eating as well. And he's like, the dad turns to him and goes, "Wait a minute, are you giving me the selling treatment? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, like who does that? Teenagers, yeah. Of <laughs> so, um, yeah, you see a lot of the parents struggle mm-hmm. to find out. And one of the the heartbreaking things about this series was that Hannah did not leave a tape or a note for her parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So her mom is just like beside herself with grief. And so she she knows something was wrong because she could feel her daughter, um, you know, having this pain throughout the year, um, no friends and so forth. So she knows something went on. So she they proceed to sue the the school, and that's kind of kind of the main kind of uh, story anchor. Yeah, mm-hmm. is everything revolving around finding out what happened to mm-hmm. Hannah, mm-hmm. and uh, they're not a the the, the listeners of the tapes are not allowed to reveal the tape's existence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that goes on. Um, the third person on the tape is Jessica because Jessica basically unfriends her because she thinks she's hooking up with Alex yeah. because she also believes that she is a slut. Right. Mm-hmm. And she, in a coffee shop, she slaps her and calls mm-hmm. her a slut mm-hmm. in front of everybody. Yeah, her so. only her only friend, girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have Tyler, who also um, gets a. Um, and Tyler's a very interesting character because he. I always felt like he wanted to do the right thing. Me too. Yeah, that he he always wanted to do the right thing, but he had a lot of peer pressure around him to do the things he did. Yeah, and Tyler, he actually he's on the list because he um he's the school photographer, so he ph- photographs people. Um, on the sidelines all the time and he's pretty much invisible with his camera just you know unfortunately he took it a little bit too far he had a crush on Hannah and then ended up like taking pictures of her um, at her home through a window Mm -hmm. so um, you know that's stalker guys just so you know it's not admiring someone that's being stalkerish it's not like a crush that got a little too far it's stalking and it's creepy and interestingly it brings in the the, uh, person down the line 
who's on the tapes as well. Yeah, the fifth person who has the tape is Courtney. Now, Courtney is a straight-A student. And one of the things I love about the series is they show that Courtney's parents are two men. Mm-hmm. She um, was adopted, she was by, adopted two by two men. Um, so I love that about this show. I also love Tony because Tony is la- the Latino guy. And mm-hmm. he's pretty much and the he's angel. macho, yes. just like buff, like slick back <laughs> hair, yes. like super <laughs> like... Like machismo Latino character, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and he's gay, and he's working on his car with his dad. Yeah, and it's a car. muscle car, <laughs> and he listens to Joy Division and mm-hmm. The Cure, and he's just super cool, and he's gay. Yeah, yeah. As we would say, what a waste. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like, darn it, he's so hot. <laughs> you can still look. I can, I can look. Yeah. <laughs> now, Courtney, she's like straight. A- girl she's like in all these activities at school um she had you know she's just up there she's on the student council and everything and um so somehow hannah and her start talking and she's like no i think i have a stalker and i think he's taking pictures of me um i can't sleep or whatever so she's like hey why don't we set up a trap so now um hannah and courtney are at at hannah's home um but um they need a little liquid courage because they want to set this trap um, so they start drinking, and there's the dare, I dare you yeah. thing. Now, one of the things we find out about Courtney is she is actually gay as well. Mm-hmm. And so one of the dares was, like, I dare you to take off your top. I dare you to take off your top. I dare you to kiss me. Now, when this is happening, they totally forget that they're sending a trap for right. a stalker. So this guy is now taking pictures of two girls kissing mm-hmm. without tops. Um, so... Um, that happens, and then of course the images get released, mm-hmm. and um, nobody really can tell who they are. But at this point, Courtney's freaked out. Yeah, and they're like, "How, how come you're freaked out? You're gay. Your parents are gay." And she's like, "One of the things I thought was really interesting. Do you know what it's like mm-hmm. for for what it was like for me in preschool to have the only to be the only person with two dads?" Mm-hmm. So she's like, and I don't want people to think that that's because they're gay, I'm gay. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I actually thought that her reasoning behind yeah. why she didn't want to come out was um, I could understand, I understand what she was that, saying. Yeah. And mm-hmm. she was she was trying to um, to kind of protect her fathers right? Um, because right. she didn't want them to be looked at negatively um, by a whole by people in the community saying, see, this is why gay people shouldn't adopt children. Yeah, like being gay makes the children gay, yeah. and that's yeah. not the case. Right. It's not the case, but unfortunately it is an argument that right. works right. for a lot of people. Exactly. Now, for some reason, some guy does figure out who they are, and so they're at a high school dance, and then the guy's like whispering, like, maybe I can, you guys can do a threesome with me. And so she just is so upset that she actually throws Hannah under the bus and starts yes. spreading rumors about uh, her having been sleeping around mm-hmm. and so forth and giving some people blowjobs and so yeah. forth. So now trying to, to, to dissuade to, yeah, the people the, thinking that they were it was, they were kissing. Right, exactly. The sixth person is Marcus. So now, like, all the rumors are out of proportion. Now, Marcus, he's also, uh, he, I think he's student uh, body president. I believe, um, and he um, he actually for a Valentine's Day he tells Anna, Hannah that they're gonna have like a shake at mm-hmm. the local diner, um, and then he sits next to her. And he's talking a sweet game, and we're thinking, oh, this is cool. But then he like reaches for her ass and between her legs. Yeah, and I'm just like, 
dude, you're at a diner. And she was so, like, happy to have somebody ask her for Valentine's Day mm-hmm. um, and was... Uh, very, very appreciative of the fact that uh, he was like, he, that, and she sat there for a long time thinking he wasn't going to come. So right. she was like so happy that he showed up. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, he's talking and he's like, like being so super nice. And then he goes from his side of the table to her side and leans in next to her and and tries to put his hand in between her legs. Her yeah. legs yeah. Fortunately, she was wearing pants, guys. But still, <laughs> I mean, still, I mean, you're a teenage girl, you're a virgin, and you're new to the school, and all this is happening, and this guy is, like, all over you. Like, how horrible is that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yes, it is horrible. It's like, so horrible. Like, it's not, oh like, God. just because you're nice doesn't, doesn't mean anything. It yeah, doesn't... It, you're not entitled to anything. You'll never be entitled to anything just because you're nice. Right. Like, mm-hmm. like that's, not, you, that's not how it works. How do you reach for the crotch? What the hell? Yeah, yo, in a diner. In a diner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's fries on the table. Right. <laughs> you're reaching <laughs> underneath the table. It's horrible. I mean, there's probably <laughs> gum under the table. Oh, oh my God. God. It, it was horrible for her, and I totally felt for her. I mean, it, she was crying, and she just basically just sat there just in disbelief while yeah. he left and so forth. Yeah, and well, she actually fights back and pushes him oh, uh, she does. out of the But booth, still, so. like, mm-hmm. after he leaves, though, she's still there, sitting yeah. there, like, sulking and crying and everything. Yeah. Um, so that's when we actually see um, the seventh person, which is Sack. Now, Sack, he's a jock. But he's he, the one I thought was Tyler when oh, I said I that I thought he want, he always wanted to do the right thing. Right. <laughs> now, yeah, Sack is... Zach, I like Sack. But yeah. unfortunately, things did not go well with Hannah and Zach. Um, and this is one of the instances where um, there was a miscommunication only because she was going through something when he approached her and then it was like yelled at him yeah because she was she had had it yeah like are you just one of the other guys who's gonna take advantage of me because you think i'm a slut yeah like you just heated all the rumors wasn't he the one who was leaving notes to her um actually or she was leaving them to him there there was a a little project where like everybody had like a little bag where it was like compliments yeah because it's hard for kids to compliment right on your face to your face. I'm sorry, in your face. <laughs> um, so they had, they were able to write little compliments in these bags, and then at the end of the day, you go and you pick them up. And so then they actually uh, would go to get their compliments at the same time. Um, so um, she got to see that he was a bit insecure, like even right. He, that's right. He was a little vulnerable, even though he's a jock mm-hmm. and you know he's really popular, good looking, and everything. Mm-hmm. The star player of the basketball team. Um, but she saw his vulnerability. And so then um, it looked like a really good match at one point. But then what happened was um, he approached her when she was going through something. So then she snapped back. Yeah. And when she snapped back, he was not used to that because he's a jock. He's a good-looking guy. He's really good-looking. <laughs> um, and so he was like, oh, fuck this shit. So he definitely went and tried to get revenge on Hannah and she had explained to him that those little compliments that you got in the bag were like the highlight of her day even though they were stupid so he made it a point to steal them from her yeah. bag mm-hmm. so now she would go for her bag and um, there was nothing there so she she stayed after one in one occasion and spotted him stealing them so she wrote a letter to him to steal from her bag um, so he read it he came out 
and he and he balled up a paper and tossed it and she was and like, she thought it was the she note, thought it was yeah. the note and she's like when I saw when that when at, when it, the reveal of what actually happened came out later oh. like a lot of the stuff when you actually you see what her perception is and then you actually see what really happened and oh. it, it was just so heartbreaking that the two were a lot of times not the same that the, what she actually was perceiving happened was not the case and she was like just already in this depressive uh-huh. hole where just oh, everything absolutely. was just negative uh-huh. yeah and I saw that a lot because a lot of the things she would describe the characters in her tapes as um, had some truth but they weren't that person all the time either so that was also unfair but she was already in this dark place there was yeah. no going back from uh-huh. that um, so, so that's why Zach was there um, and when you're there it feels like it's everybody's right, fault. Right, exactly. Like, it's, that it's, it's everybody's fault. It's your fault. It's anybody who doesn't reach out and it's just like, you're res- kind of like a you're responsible kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And it colors judgment. It definitely does. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, really quickly, let's go. The eighth person is Ryan. Ryan is this gay guy who um, has his own zine. The word zine comes out again. Um, and he actually steals a poem of Hannah's and publishes it, and people recognize it from the handwriting. So that yeah. then they start to. Um, it was actually Jessica who recognizes it, and then there are their relationships already strained, so she just perpetuates. Yeah. And it was a dark poem, so people are like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I have so much. Right? I, I have. Like, I kept it. I should have burned it, but I kept oh, it. Oh, I have like, on mine. Oh, my God. Dude, I have a, I, I actually have a zine. I didn't know it was a zine until they started calling them this. Yeah. And these things, like in the comic book we read yeah. and everything. I'm going to find it, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you guys read it. Probably misspelled. <laughs> like, I don't know what to. Well, we'll have one episode. We all just... Uh, where teenage Kristen, Jen, and Sarah come <laughs> and just bury their soul. <laughs> hey, teenage soul. I'm past that. I'm past that. 11th um, person is Sherry. Sherry, she's not bad. The only thing is she made a mistake and it probably cost somebody else's life. Oh, yeah. So that's that, right. was, that was really heavy. And there was a beautiful story behind Sherry. Um, so, you know, definitely... I think she was uh, uh, an interesting character. Yeah, it just, it, it was, um, she she had a car accident. It cost someone's life. Hannah was in the car with her, and Hannah wanted to call the police. Do the right thing. And do the right thing, and Sherry wouldn't let her. So that was, like, just something that was just, like, on her mind and weighed heavily on her that it was, like, their fault that it happened. Yeah, because they, the guy died. Yeah. So, I mean, that, what kind of, how do you live with that shit? Um, then there's Bryce. Bryce is like the ultimate bad guy. Yeah. Bryce has um, date raped uh, Jessica when she was drunk, um, and everybody kept it from her, including her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, in another occasion, he actually rapes Hannah mm-hmm. as well. Um, um, and that was really horrible because actually, TMI, that actually happened to me. Um, and it was just like. I could relate to how she handled it mm-hmm. because you just you didn't really want to be a victim, um, and so like for her, one of the arguments was she didn't say no, but she was pretty much sobbing throughout the whole thing. So yeah, how could you not? Know? Yeah. So um, yeah, that that was really horrific. It was really um, in your face. Yeah, the whole scene. Um, and then we have uh, number thirteen which is 
Mr. Porter. Mr. Porter is a whole Yes. Oh my goodness. That one was horrific. Yes, it was. Um, because she actually said, I'm going to give life another chance. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually going to ask for help. I'm going to really ask for help. Yep. So she goes and she talks to Mr. Porter and she's telling him how she's done with it. She's done with everybody and uh, she wants this over. She doesn't want to live anymore. And um, she mentions Bryce. Uh, not Bryce by name, but yeah. the, the events that yeah. happened. He's like, and the thing that made me mad about Mr. Porter is that, first of all, he's getting a lot of calls. So you see, he's a busy person. Yes, yeah. A busy person, and maybe he wanted to care, but there's a lot of phone calls. Yeah. He's so busy. Um, but not only that, he, then he, I guess because he's so frustrated, because, I mean, this kind of, uh, of revelation takes time mm-hmm. and kindness mm-hmm. and patience, mm-hmm. and um, he wasn't having the yeah. patience or the time. So, um he was like, well, did you say no? Yeah. Because she goes, I sort of got raped, I think. Yeah. Like, I, and so all, right there, you're just, like, frustrated. Like, you sort of got raped. Like, maybe it didn't happen like you think it happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, is it? And then he's like, well, you know, she's like, well, he's a senior. And she's like, oh, well, you know, you won't be seeing him in a few yeah. months anyway. That doesn't matter. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was yelling at the I TV. I was super upset. I'm like, how could you say that to her? Yeah. Like, oh, I should get on with my life. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, my, you, that's let, not let, a thing. Like yeah. for me, I'm just like, let me put you face down, biting on a pillow, and let me see if you can move on from this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's not fun, guys, and you do not move on, and that shit haunts you. And it just it frustrated me because I know that he was a freaking mandated reporter. And mm. and he had enough information to be able to just at least be like, okay, you know, we're going to take you to um, a, a organization that can get you counseling at mm-hmm. least. You know, if you don't want to make the report, that's fine, but let's help you if this really happened to you. The most important thing that you can do with a person who tells you that they've been sexually assaulted, and I... I'm going to say this over and over and over and over again. The most important thing that you can do is believe them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of media focus on the people that have had false um, reports. Mm -hmm. um, And that really dissuades people from actually coming out and and trying to fight this. Mm -hmm. Um, So for, for him to have this reaction, and one of the things that, maybe he shouldn't push haven't pushed so hard was like give me a name yeah i can't do anything unless i have a name it's like dude like maybe like take it step by step you Mm -hmm. don't you just push her over the cliff like he's like are you and i gotta tell you are you gonna be prepared for everything that's gonna follow like maybe he's not even gonna be prosecuted or whatever and Mm -hmm. it's like why are you already giving her the negative side of like actually fighting this Mm -hmm. yeah not only that the thing about the fall the false and I hate, I hate this, and I hate that it's so overrepresented in media. The whole like, oh, the false accusation. Less than ten percent mm-hmm. of reports of sexual assault, assault are false. Yeah. Less than ten percent. So that means that out of like ten people, like what? Not even like less not, than one. <laughs> less than one. Less than one. Out of a hundred, less than ten people have falsely accused. Yeah. Of being sexually, uh, of being sexually assaulted. That's. It's not true, and the fact that it's so overrepresented in media, is I firmly believe because men are in control of media. Oh, yeah. Because they want to, they want this to be like the thing that everybody thinks about. That like, oh, like men are actually the victims of this whole mm-hmm. sexual assault thing, and it's right, not. Right. It's not. It's not true. 
Oh, God, I'm pissed. Yeah, it, it yeah. just really, that tape, when I saw that it was him and oh, then I actually God. saw what happened, I was so frustrated um, because working with teens, um, it's so hard for a teen to come to an adult and just talk to them and trust them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that she did that and she was there and he just kind of like blew it off and, and he was the freaking school counselor. Right. And oh my gosh, I definitely can uh, empathize with the fact that um, the adults that sometimes are working at the high schools um, really have no business there working with kids. Um, I, oh yeah, I've worked with uh, teenagers, you know, for a big portion of my um, my professional career, and the behavior and treatment that I saw with my own eyes from principals, from teachers, from counselors, to students was just uh, unexcusable. Mm-hmm. Inexcusable. For <laughs> reason, I never went to my school counselors. I knew they didn't give a shit. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, but yeah, it just um, it was really horrible because um, yeah, it just takes so much for you to even just say that it happened. So for somebody to just um, blow Fresh it off like yeah. that, it's just fuck. Yeah. So after that, I mean. Um, and, and her the tapes go up to uh, number 13 tapes mm-hmm. um, side A so um, after Clay who is the one we're taking the journey with he finds out he makes it a point to go to Bryce and, and record him on uh, tape 13 side B confessing yeah. to the rape yeah mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was amazing that he confronts uh, Mr. Porter and he's like well there is no way of knowing what actually happened that day? Because actually, there is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your yeah. number, your number thirteen. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he hands him the tapes. Uh huh. Um, but but before that. Um, yeah, and he was so trying to downplay the fact that mm-hmm. she came and saw him that day. Right. Yeah. He did not want to admit that he could have done something. Mm-hmm. And then when he was actually presented with the fact that she. She, and she's actually has she records the whole conversation that she oh, has I'm, there in mm-hmm. the office. Yeah, I forgot to mention that, but yes, she does record the conversation, so mm-hmm. we get to hear firsthand how um, he interacted with with yeah. Anna on this subject. Mm-hmm. And when she leaves, after everything she said, where she said that she uh, maybe I, I she was she even says that she wants to hurt herself, that yeah, she's done with life, mm-hmm. that she might have been raped, all this stuff. She leaves his office and then she just stands Stand there up. and waits for him to come after her and he never does so she kind of leans into her backpack and says i guess he's not coming yeah that and was like that moment and she goes this is the end of tape 13 that was it i was like wow yeah <laughs> yeah exactly the adult the only adult she reached out to and he didn't care yeah uh, it was it was pretty horrible. I mean, this whole thing is amazing. You guys should really uh, watch it. If not, um, if you're not don't have kids or maybe you don't go through this, at least it's something that can teach you maybe about maybe the human condition of teenagers. So yeah, and specifically, uh, I think it's important to mention specifically the hu- the the, um, the stuff that girls go through. Uh, being a teenager is for sure hard, but I have to have to point out the fact that um, the sexual, just uh, what I want to say, the uh, objectification, there you go, uh, of young girls in our society, uh, 
by media, by everything that is just thrown in our face from such an early age, it really, it, it really takes a toll and uh, it, it really comes out in other people's actions and uh, we, we see in this show over and over and over again that she is just seen as a sexual object um, you know in the in the uh, unsolicited groping in the um, the rumors that are spread about her being um, promiscuous uh, in the rapes uh, that are going on in this school uh, and then everyone just turning a blind eye to stuff that they know is going on. Absolutely. And one of the interesting scenes was like when they were doing the um, testimonials of the students that they actually subpoenaed to have testimonies and um, when they bring back the best friend at the beginning that moved away. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, uh, and yeah. Then, and then the way she was like, you know, everybody knows this. The whole school knows this. Yeah. And they just get to do whatever they want because yeah. they're jocks. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, you dated Josh. She goes, yeah. But I knew how, I knew what I had to do. Like, I knew how to handle it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hannah just, she had bad taste in men. Mm-hmm. But it was, uh, yeah, it's really heartbreaking. Eventually, Tony, um, although he wants to um, fulfill Hannah's wish and honor his word, um, he uh, gives the audio files to the parents. Yeah, and so they're able to hear it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and I can't even, they don't show much of it. They just show her, the mom, uh, starting to hear her daughter's voice. But I can't even imagine in real life what that would be like to, to hear your daughter uh, just explain all the reasons and all the stuff that she was going through. That you had absolutely no, no idea, idea what was going on. Yeah, I want to point out before we continue to the next subject is that the actual um, suicide scene in this in this series was uh, very impactful. Um, she, um, there is no soundtrack. There's no sound in the back. It's just her heavy breathing, shallow breaths. Um, you could see that she's actually trying to um, build up the courage to um, cut her wrists. Uh, when she does, she's actually, you could see the pain of her cutting her wrist, and you could see that it's its painful. So they do not romanticize this um, suicide scene at all. It's very raw, I think, and I think that's one of the reasons a lot of people are up in arms about this series. But I think that had to be shown in order for you to see that it's not just this way and Kristen was pointing out how uh, we see the mom discovering her daughter um, in the in in the bathtub mm-hmm. and we get to see her reaction her parents reaction because sometimes when you commit to us you don't really uh, play in your mind what's going to happen after, after. Mm-hmm. yeah so um, that was super sad like wow it was amazing it's a very visceral scene, and that mm, knowing that that they put that on screen, that's how I knew that wasn't a series for yeah. There's definitely trigger warnings um, before the all the episodes where um, like the sexual assaults and, and the suicide and stuff happen. Um, so I thought that that was really good that they did that. And then also there is a, a whole uh, episode after the 13 that where they just kind of talk as the actors themselves and I think also the writer of the book talk about just um, 
what it meant for them to to play these roles and just how they saw Hannah and and uh, uh, kind of uh, I didn't get to finish that episode but uh, kind of just uh, debriefing mm-hmm. what the uh, series was about mm-hmm. which I thought was really cool yeah that is pretty cool like really kind of getting down like asking them like really like what does this mean to you exactly so watch the series guys <laughs> we just like tore everyone down and ripped their heart out and you're like watch the series <laughs> I didn't know how to end that so yeah. that's the route I took yeah. and now we're going to into, go into our book review Kristen what are we reading today today we are going to talk about Hellboy in Mexico I feel like we need to make mariachi music. We <laughs> <laughs> should, right? <laughs> I'll have that queued up next time. <laughs> uh, so Hellboy, um, for those of you who um, may or may not be fans, is a, a Mike Mignola um, property. Um, he is a huge, huge, like, that he is. He has a huge, huge following um, in the shop when people come in to buy Hellboy. They don't just buy Hellboy. They buy Hellboy. They buy Lobster Johnson. They buy BPRD. They buy all the stuff that uh, Mike Mignola puts out. If anything that has connected to this Hellboy universe, they buy. Yeah. They need to have it. And it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that's really hardcore. Yeah. You both have... Uh, said you had uh, seen the movies. I haven't seen any of the Hellboy movies. This was my first introduction to Hellboy. Um, I kind of want to go back and and read some of his um, like origin stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, the premise of this book was I thought so super cool. Yeah, <laughs> so super cool that um, Mike Mignola kind of talks a little bit in the in the beginning about how. In um, an issue that he did, um, he drew a picture of Hellboy with his arms around two Mexican wrestlers and uh-huh. then just did a caption of, like, whatever Mexico, town, Mexico, 1956 uh-huh. or something. Yeah. <laughs> something so random like yeah, that. So, and yeah, he, and, and random offshoot. And, yeah, and so, and after he, he did it, he's like, huh. I guess Hellboy had uh, some uh, kind of uh, interesting <laughs> I mean, I think he adventures in Mexico in 1956 that I don't really know anything about. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where Hellboy in Mexico comes from, which is um, not a full story. It's actually a compilation of five short stories. Um, the mm-hmm. first one is Hellboy in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, Hellboy versus Aztec Mummy is the second one. And the third one is Hellboy Gets Married, which was really really super awesome and then coffin man which i actually really liked that one too that was good. Um, but my favorite one was the last one which was house of living dead mm-hmm. that one was really great yeah it was good i like that one but i have to admit that my favorite one was hellboy gets married yeah. <laughs> and it's just like it it has everything i love getting married without <laughs> even knowing about it like and be like oh waking up and be like oh shit i know that was so funny okay so like i said no introduction to hellboy at all but his mannerisms and his just like his his attitude that that the artist you could just see that the way the artist drew him like when like he would like be slumped over drawn slumped over and you could just tell and then the words out of his mouth it was just like nothing but like a 
Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> like, I could hear you just like, like, he's, yeah. <laughs> he's had enough. Yeah, it was just so amazing. And Jen pointed out that um, when she she picked out this book, um, obviously, Hellboy in Mexico, because it, uh, it was all set in Mexico. Um, so that, that fit our, our Latino um, requirement. <laughs> right. But um, also, the artists are um, two brothers um, who are Brazilian. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a list of artists Magnignola does some of the art himself and then we have of course Richard Corbin very very popular very famous in the comic book scene Mike McMahon 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 yeah <laughs> and I actually don't know much about him but Fabio Moon and Gabriel Bob best known for Day Tripper uh, Casanova and um Umbrella Academy. Oh, yes, yeah, Umbrella Academy. And so, like, they're super well-known. They're Brazilian artists that are – they're twin Brazilian artists. Mm-hmm. They're, wow. They're, yeah. So that was just like – I was just like, shit. I'm <laughs> up there. Damn, yo. And it seems to be that that's a common theme among a lot of Latino or, like, Hispanic – Latino and Hispanic uh, artists and creators. They – do things as siblings. Hernandez brothers. Oh, that's <laughs> right. That's right. Gabriel, um, uh, Gabriel Ba, Fabio Moon, and then uh, there's some sisters too. That yeah, there's some. There's a. Some I can't remember their name. I don't. I can't recall either. And then there's an older sister. No, an older brother and a younger brother duo that are from Spain as oh, well. Oh, okay. It's a, you do things as siblings or you don't do them at all. <laughs> <laughs> nice, but um. But yeah, I chose this book because, of course, Hellboy in Mexico, but also because I've kind of always wanted to read something about Hellboy. Yeah. Because uh, I've seen the movies, and I really, really like the movies. And usually I hesitate when I say that because when I tell people, I get one of two reactions. They're like, oh, my God, same. <laughs> or they're like, oh, my God, those movies are the worst things in the world. And I'm just like, I've gotten a pretty 50-50 reaction for it. I actually yeah. have to say that I was surprised when you both said that you liked it because all I've ever heard was that they were horrible. Really? Yeah. yeah. You know, the, um, oh, man, you know, the effects were great. Um, the costumes were fantastic. Um, you know, just the scenery in the back, like, all, I mean, it was just really attention to detail. So I, I really loved it. I loved it. I'm going to have to check them out. Especially now that I've read this, because, again, I didn't know anything about Hellboy, but he was, like, so endearing. Yeah. So super endearing. And um, he... He's like the kind of guy who you just want to have drinks with. Oh, yeah. I don't remember (laughs) which story it was, but... It was kind of cool because bits and pieces of all the stories kind of carried over. Mm. And in one story, um, they were like, "Well, how long were you there? You've only talked. You've only talked about your trip up until a certain point. What happened after that?" And he's like, "I don't know, and I don't want to know." Mm-hmm. And then, and then <laughs> further on down the book, it, uh, you. Yeah, one of the stories you see that he actually became a luchador. Yeah. <laughs> that was and so the poster, cool. I started, I busted out laughing. Yeah. It was so funny. It was funny, and it's just like literally the only reason that he can't remember is because he was too fucking drunk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think he described a, a five-month blur. Yeah, yeah. just being in Mexico and just being drunk. And in some of the occasions, you didn't really know he was drunk until like he made like the whopping mistake of getting married. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh man, I got married while I was drunk what <laughs> that um, was so cute he was like so 
like in love with her, and he's like yeah. they're they're holding hands, yeah. running. <laughs> and then you see them there in the, what he thought was like a church, and it turns out she's it's like she's a demon. Yeah, mm-hmm. and she's like a vampire or something. Yeah, yeah and it's just like they got married in some housekeeping. He like remembers. He's just like ah. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> but what I really that one has to be my favorite story because. One, like, back to the trope scenes, they're singing old Spanish oh, uh-huh. ballads that are, like, grim and, like... Oh, they're, they're like, all, and, all grim, yeah. And, yeah, and, like, uh, to me, I read them, like, like, uh, like, um, very melodic, like, like, uh, like a mariachi song, like, uh-huh. uh, like, when... When like in the telenovelas, when the, the guy goes to sing with the, to the girl to get her and stuff yeah, like that, the that's how yeah mm-hmm. the serenades like I read I, that's how I read them I read them as serenades and I was just like shit fuck me up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like so excited about those little inserts where he actually um, makes an introduction to every story yes, yes. and what the thought process mm-hmm. was behind it and how he got uh, other artists on board and um, for instance. He was telling us about uh, the luchadores and how he was not really familiar with mm-hmm. the with the movies, and I'm like, I am, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yes, and, and and it had a lot of reminiscence to that while reading it. I mm-hmm. there was um, it's actually Blue Demon, mm-hmm. one of the luchadores in the Mex. Okay, so there's. Uh, Mexican wrestling, like, in the, I don't know, the 60s, 70s, and they were, like, really big, big names in Mexico, and then they Mm -hmm. actually went to become actors with their masks on. Oh, wow. So, so yeah, so it was, like... With their masks on? Yeah, so it was, like, uh, Santos versus the vampires, or uh, (laughs) Blue Demon and the zombies, and, I mean... Oh, that's what those posters were about! Oh, that's so cool! Blue, it's Blue Demon, but they call him Blue Demon because it's Mexico and Spanish. Uh-huh, yeah. uh, El Santo, which has like um, a silver mask, and Mil Mascaras, who has a million masks. So, I mean, these guys, I grew up with them. So, uh-huh. I'm like, yes. Uh-huh. Well, well, nice in the, in the uh, poster that he was in, what was his name? He was um, Hellboy, I think. Oh, God, what was he? But I just thought it was just fantastic and i love it that they're like you know really fighting you know like mm-hmm. fighting and then like you see him having drinks with the same guys he's fighting like yeah i thought that was great yeah they're like it's just like they're like good job out there and they're like yeah and then um and then one of the touching scenes that i found was when uh in uh house of the living dead when we see him as a luchador and then post fight and then he's like está deprimido yeah and i was just like he's like what and he was like why it was like he's just been like since like that since we got here and he won't tell us the story. Yeah. And I was just like, oh. Like I said, he was so endearing. Yeah, he was. He was very endearing. I mean, even this, there were multiple scenes in here where it's just him with his face flat in, in, the, <laughs> in the table and his hand clutching a, a glass of beer. <laughs> and where he's just passed out because he drank so much. But uh-huh. just all the stuff that... Yeah, I like I said, I and really want to go back to him as a character. I no, know you're right. Uh-huh. The dialogue is either other people like in, like talking or talking about him or him just him and his like reactions to things. And I and they were able to pass off so much about the character himself and able to confirm some things for me about the movies uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. that uh, and that I thought was just like okay, cool. Then I can then they did they did a pretty good job. Um, for me especially, what I really liked the most was the ending, was towards the ending in House of the Living Dead, or was it in Coffin Man? 
Um, it was, uh, sorry to interrupt you guys, it was oh. Cowboy, yeah. el, uh, el Rey de los Monstruos. Uh -huh. El Rey de los Monstruos. <laughs> I, really appreciate, I really appreciate that uh, little area where they like would talk in Spanish. Yes. Yeah. And, when, and when the characters in Mexico would speak in English, I, in my mind I read it with the Spanish accent. Yeah. So I thought it was really cute. Um, one of the, I, I mean, the whole thing is amazing. I like, I love the art. It's so dynamic, especially, mm -hmm. like, when he's getting attacked by the zombies. Yeah. But most of the stuff I really love is, like, the turkey. Oh, <laughs> oh the vampire turkey. <laughs> with the red eyes. And then all of a sudden you say, el demonio. Like, <laughs> el, diablo. el diablo. And I was like, yes. Okay, so yeah. the Aztec folklore and mythology and stuff in the books was super interesting to oh, me. Oh, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I'm on a kick of gods this uh, week because I finished American, American Gods. Hey. And then I started uh, last week our book for um, for the weekly discussion group at Heidi Ho was Wicked and Divine. The Wicked and Divine. Yeah, yeah. so there were, that's full of God. And then this, so the mythology and the, the folklore and stuff is super interesting to me. And we know that uh, Latinos are all about their folklore oh, yeah. and their yeah. story. I mean, we just talked about La Llorona this last, oh, oh, that last one. Yeah. yeah. So um, that was really interesting to me. And um, the part in one of the stories, um, one of the um, prefaces, where Mignola is talking about um, his artists and stuff like that. Um, he, apparently, there is like this this I don't know it's a god or this story or this folklore of this like demon turkey and, <laughs> right. and he and when he gave it to his artist, um, the artist actually drew it as a um, a, a um, no. What happened was that uh, he had been. Um, um, Magmino had been hesitant to add it because he thought it would be too Heart. comedic. Oh, to yeah, be, yes, too yes, comedic, yes. But he told, like, I was like... You could uh, make it a vulture, yeah, he said. You could make it a vulture. Yeah, 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 want. there you go. But then he was just like, but no, he was just like, they were like, no, he kept the turkey. Well, they said that actually he tried it as a vulture, and it was actually the vulture that looked wrong. And uh -huh. so that he went and he made, that he said, and, and Mignola says, I was just shocked at how menacing he made the turkey. <laughs> it's a menacing turkey. Like, it's a creepy turkey uh -huh. <laughs> but i believe he explained it that in uh in a lot of mexican mythology vampires can turn into yes turkeys. that's and what and i was just yeah. like uh, you know what i fucking believe it because <laughs> when i went to guatemala and to my to my dad's part of guatemala my grandmother she raises turkeys uh. and those shoots terrified the fuck out of me like <laughs> like no because they chase you and it's just they like, sure do they're like, <laughs> yeah they're like, <laughs> and they're, and like their beaks are huge and they're, it's like a and 20 the, pound turkey you know what i hated on turkeys because mm -hmm. i've i've also been in the small town in mexico where my parents are from but those 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 things oh, are yeah. waddle things <laughs> yeah. and they're like so gross they're like yeah. They're like this red flesh, and it looks like warts on top of warts, and they're uh -huh. like so mean. They're like, brruh, brruh, and the thing wiggles. <laughs> you make that noise so perfectly because <laughs> I remember. Oh my god! But anyways, yeah, like the, just like that, that one time, like those turkeys. Those turkeys were out to murder me. They made me fall in a ditch. <laughs> they made me fall in a ditch. Like it's just like I. Uh, turkeys are evil, and I'm glad to eat them on Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> they can. That's my petty. <laughs> but anyways, um, I've been saying yeah, I like the ending because um, I always 
wondered what the where the hell Hellboy comes yeah, from. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, was he really born in hell? Like, because I don't know much about right, him yeah. besides what the movies say, and like maybe a little bit of lore I got in off it from here and there, and you know from his name mm-hmm. Hellboy. But um, uh, one of these guys that comes out of the 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 tavern that he was in, um, um he says like uh, the piece of the grave is for humans. You'll never know it because you're not human. human. Yeah, because you were born from hell and from hell and to hell you, you will, will return. return. And mm-hmm. I was just like, shit, I want to know more. Yeah. What the fuck is this? Like, yeah. what's going on? And I'm wondering if Hellboy in Hell is the sequel oh, to this okay. so like i'm i'm down like, <laughs> like i want to know more like yeah. what's up where are you coming from hellboy like what's the deal yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. so reading this hellboy in mexico is kind of like uh starting a story in the middle because there's so much uh origin and stuff that we we didn't know and that they don't talk about here in this book mm-hmm. but just for the stories alone that were in here i absolutely loved it and it I made know. me so interested in reading more about Hellboy. yeah it's it's a good i think it's a one of those series where it's good to like just pick up mm-hmm. and read because hellboy itself how the issues come out they all come out in like one or two issues and they're like oh and then he slaps d- a done on it yeah and then he's just like that's how it is so they're just all like a bunch of short stories and i'm getting kind of like a sandman vibe for that oh yeah because in sandman you could have basically picked up on any issue and mm-hmm. you've been like oh i know what's going on yeah mm-hmm. kind of thing and i think this is what it is like you'll feel like like maybe sometimes you're missing something but it's kind of like a good it's a good series to start because you don't need to know like all this history then you can just enjoy point. it as is yeah and i did like i'm i'm now very curious to read more about him, and yeah. I want to read more about him. But reading this as is, I understand what I understood what was going on. I understood like he's in Mexico. He yeah. got drunk. He killed <laughs> monsters. That's it. Yeah. That's all. And he wrestles in between. And he wrestles in between, <laughs> and that's all you need to know. Yeah. And I can appreciate the story. That's <laughs> really like, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah I t- <laughs> completely agree. I I only know what I saw in the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, when I was reading it, um, I had the same Hellboy voice in my head. But I mean, his his um, his dialogue—it's not very much, but you really get a sense of what he's like as a character, and I love that about this. It was just so—I um, don't know—it's it, with little words you get a good sense of what type of character he is. So I yeah. really enjoyed that. I just <laughs> love that his catchphrase was "geez," <laughs> and, and I every time he said it, like I heard it just like this. Great totally <laughs> just like dejected giving up i've had enough like jeez <laughs> like, like again life is fucking with me <laughs> <laughs> like come on and then, he sa- and then he says i should stop drinking and the next time he's ordering to tequila yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like crazy. one tequila. Then someone comes in, make that two, two tequilas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and based on that, what was you guys? What was you? What did you guys like best in the book? For me, like I mentioned earlier, my favorite of the stories was House of the Living Dead um, because it incorporated all the universal monsters. Oh, yes. Oh, and yes. they did it so well. Yeah, I really, really uh-huh. did. Like, and you know what? For me, like, I didn't expect it. It was just like, even though there was a little bit of what he liked in the preface, uh-huh. um, I still was surprised to see how well they all blended in yeah. the story. Yeah. yeah, and in fact, 
there was um, the werewolf. There was uh, uh, Dracula. There was Frankenstein. And then mm-hmm. at the end, there was somebody that came up. I was like, oh, yeah. But I can, now I can't remember who it was. The but werewolf. I, I don't remember who, if yeah. it was the werewolf or not. Mm-hmm. Which one of them was the surprise to me? Uh-huh. But um, I just love the way that the story all revolved um, around those monsters, mm-hmm. and uh, was kind of like a, a throwback to um, to that like horror era. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And he said so himself in one of his letters that it's in dedication to Dracula, like the those old movies. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> And how, like, but, like, that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> but he kind of, that's why he made it. And what I really like about that is that it's just, like, they take place in Mexico. Like, yes. there's no doubt that it's yeah. in Mexico. Like, and it's just, like, it just really reminded me that every culture has their, like, version of a story. They have their version of a vampire story, of mm-hmm. a Mexican, mm-hmm. of, a me- of, like, a, a Mexican race or banshee or something. Was like, we know these creatures as other names, mm-hmm. but they also exist in other places under different names. Right, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I thought, like, that was a really good, like, kind of, like, mythology thing mm-hmm. for him to, like, incorporate. I was just like, yeah. But as I've already been saying, my favorite one <laughs> is where he gets married. And spoiler alert, he kills his wife. <laughs> <laughs> he, like, he, she, uh, she's, a, she's a murderous monster, but every time you say, like, the like the ring that he used turns into a snake, and yeah. he's saying, like, you made an oath, you made an oath. And I was that like, That made me Fuck. laugh. There was a, there was a, um, a panel in there. It was like, mm-hmm. well, when you, when you wake up married and the ring turns into a snake, you know you made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> and the luchador he's drinking with, he's just all like, like, we all have yep, that day. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> oh my god! What I loved about that is, though, he when he describes, it, he's just like, think of the most beautiful woman you've ever seen, the, the kind that make you do anything, and then you wake up married and the ring talks. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. That <laughs> was just like, uh, it's like I don't know. It made it like that third story, like a little bit more like real. Like he actually did fall for her charm. Yeah. Like maybe he did like love her for an instant. Yeah. I was just like, uh, that's kind of sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Well, my favorite part were um, he. You said that stranger walks into the bar and he's like two two tequilas. Yeah. Uh, well, it turns out it's the uh, Frankenstein monster that he's yeah. supposed yeah. to fight. <laughs> yes, and um, I love that they're just sitting there with like their heads are hanging down over uh-huh. their drink and they're just looking down and he's like, he didn't even make me. He bought mm-hmm. me at a carnival. Yeah. <laughs> That was funny, but, but my favorite bubble, my favorite dialogue bu- bubble is I don't I don't know where I come from and I don't know where I'm going. Yeah. And then um and then Hellboy's like, Amen, brother. <laughs> that, that was it. That was it. They were like both like feeling it. Like, yeah, they were just all like, man, I'm done. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like like let's get this drink on because uh, not uh-huh. much is gonna not much else is gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> and to think, just the night before, they were fighting to the death. Yeah, you yeah. know, uh-huh. it's, just, uh-huh. it's just so well written. I love it. I yes. love it. So, kudos to Mike Mignola and Hellboy in Mexico, and definitely did my job. It, it did its job and made me interested in continuing to read more. And mm-hmm. actually, I'm really interested in reading some BPRD. So, yeah, um, I've been here. Uh, Bureau, what was it? Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense. Yeah. So, um, j- from those of you, for you two who watched the movie, is the BPRG part of what he's doing in the movie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, a bit, yeah. but it's mostly around him and, okay. like, uh, him and his 
really hot goth girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, totally like, hot. Yeah. Her, her, her hands, they, they have this uh, well, she blue herself, fire. Yeah, she herself can, like, turn into full flames. Oh. So mm-hmm. that that's pretty cool. I like the fish guy. Oh. I forgot his name. But he also... He, isn't he Lobster Johnson? Oh, is that Lobster Johnson? I, that I, makes no, sense. Wait, no, is he? I don't know. No, I, I, I forgot what his name is, but no. he's at the beginning of this storyline. He's the oh, guy. Yeah, he's the, fish the guy. Dude. The fish dude. He's the guy who. Oh. They're, they're, they, that's when he starts reminiscing about his time well, in Mexico. Mexico. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I will, the BPRD stuff. Uh, people come in and um, are always have such high praise for it. And um, now that I'm kind of introduced to Hellboy, I would definitely be interested in reading more of that stuff. So. Definitely. So what do we give? Uh, Go around. What do we give uh, Hellboy in Mexico, Sarah? What What do you give Hellboy in Mexico? I, you know, I really enjoyed this book. It wasn't hard to read. It was mm-hmm. really easy. I read it in less than an hour. But I love the artwork, and I love how they pointed out a lot of Mexican folklore in this. Yes. Oh, so yeah. So I'm going to go, like, three chocolate conchas and a champurrado, like <laughs> a hot steaming cup of champurrado. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I agree with everything you said. Um, I definitely am going to give it three conchas. Uh, it's just short of a champurado for me, but um, I really, really liked it, and I would recommend it to anyone who asked about Hellboy. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm recommending this wh- whenever. Like it's, <laughs> it's just, I loved it. I love the art. Oh, and I really appreciate when they give you, like, that preface. Yeah. That, yeah. for me, like, I don't know, that's a little extra that I just, I'm loving. Yeah. Yeah. A little, a little background into his creative process. Yeah. And, yeah. It was, and I think it really set the theme mm-hmm. for how to, like, read it yeah. a bit. I was kind of, kind of stuck. I want to give it three, but I feel like it's two and a half because I'm going to be real. The first story, I mean, it was good, but I felt like it needed something. Mm-hmm. I feel like I knew, like maybe the relationship between Esteban and um uh, and uh, Hellboy. Hellboy needed to be established more uh-huh. because we, a month is is a long time. Yeah. You can become cool bros with somebody in yeah. a month, but I feel like he needed more. I'm, we you need a more. You know what? Yeah, I'm gonna give it two and a half. <laughs> I do like it a lot, yeah. though. I very much, and I love that mythology, and yeah. I do really like the art, especially the one, the Coffin Man, the artwork for that yes, one. Yeah, yeah. That one, that was like my favorite art. Like I like Richard Corbin, but um, uh, Fabio Moon and Gabriel Bob did such a really great job. Um, so I'm gonna give it two and a half. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's that was our review, guys. Check it out. All right, guys, it's now time for On My Radar. Kristen, what's on your radar? On My Radar this week is the same thing that's on almost everybody's radar on eBay, on Facebook, uh, coming into the shop. It's Redneck Number 1. What the heck? It is a um, single issue that was released last week, week before, uh, pretty uh, pretty uh, recent. Um, it's written by uh, Donnie Cates, who actually also writes um, God. What's it? God. What's what's Donnie Cates' um, other God something? God is dead? No. <laughs> um. It's also more recent. I can't God remember. No. no. Uh, I don't know. It just slipped my mind. But <laughs> uh, this story is a vampire story. Oh, what? Oh, and, okay, okay, okay. And when I found out it was a vampire story, and then I was like, 
Redneck? Right, I get oh! that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I have to pick it up now. Jesus Christ! Oh, I hope we are not at number one. Ah, oh, damn. So actually, we have sold out multiple times of, yeah, okay. of number one. Um, I have a number one because I just hadn't read it. Um, but uh, I read it today because I knew I was going to do it for on my radar. I am a sucker for vampire stories. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and God Country. Sorry for that. Uh, that God Country is the name of the um, single oh, issue. Okay. That I haven't read that one yet either, but it's um, it's really, really picked up a lot of steam with um, our uh, customers and online. Mm-hmm. So when Redneck came out, um, people snapped it up because it's an image book and it's a horror book. Uh-huh. Everyone is thinking Walking Dead. They, everyone wants another Walking Dead. So that's where um, the the hype for this one and why it why it sold out oh, all over the place okay. uh, because of his God Country um, fame because uh, people are really enjoying that one. Um, but then also a horror image number one. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, I won't give any spoilers because it's so new. But um, I it definitely if a first issue leaves me wanting to know what's going to happen and want is leaves me wanting to read number two then it's definitely done its job so i highly recommend it it's um def- it's sold out in a lot of places um so i would go the comiXology route or um i'm guessing maybe a second printing is coming soon excellent what's on your radar Jen? on my radar is kingsman the golden circle Ooh. so for anybody who ha- doesn't know kingsman was a movie that came out a while ago well, not that much long ago but i Absolutely, it's been Love about it. two years, maybe a year and a half. Because I remember when years? it came out, I was already working at Heidi Hall. Yeah, okay, I think yeah, I believe like maybe two years already. But I absolutely love it. It's a British spy movie that isn't James Bond, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Those exist. Yeah, <laughs> and it's so funny. It is so. It's like it's your regular like comedic it's your regular like spy movie but also with an extra dash of comedy mm. and a little bit more risque but sex <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting you, that you should have led with that <laughs> <laughs> yeah seriously dude you know us right <laughs> anyways um, the first trailer for it dropped and it looks amazing I love it already and I'm super excited to go see it and to sweeten the deal Pedro Pascal is going to be in it so sign me the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I oh, like it. Speaking about who was going to be in it, I forgot to mention that the artist for Redneck is actually a Latino. Uh, he's from Argentina. Oh, oh. I've always wanted to yeah, go to Argentina. Uh, and this name is like so sexy, Lisandro, and his last name is S. Esteren. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Do we have a picture of him? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be he real here. Lisandro isn't sexy for me because my little brother's la- middle uh, middle name is Lisandro. Oh, <laughs> oh, I was just all like, oh, no, this is, this is not sexy. It's, it's not. It's super sexy. <laughs> Way to kill it for me, Jen. <laughs> So what's on your radar, Sarah? Well, in case the listeners did not have a chance to grab a pen, what is on my radar? On my radar is meeting you guys at the East L.A. Comic Con Saturday, May the 20th at El Gallo Plaza at 4545 East Cesar E. Chavez Avenue in East Los. Also, you guys can get a chance to meet us at Heidi Ho Comics on May 
the 6th for free comic book day at 1431 Lincoln Boulevard. And please remember, we are still having that contest for the reviews on iTunes. So please go to iTunes, review us, rate us, and, and drop us a line. And that's what's on my radar. And just to piggyback on what she said, um, at Heidi Ho Comics, um, I think it's going to be an excellent opportunity not only to meet us, but to actually see a lot of the books that we've been reading and um, critiquing and talking about on here. So I think we should like do like a, a little setup of all the books um, that we've read so that if anybody is interested in looking at it or maybe buying their own copy, that they'll be able to do that. And Sorry, little the little Heidi Ho uh, <laughs> marketing there. <laughs> and not only that, if you have anything you would like to add to our reviews, we are going to be recording um, on the on site. So if you guys want to discuss uh, comic books, discuss our reviews, discuss our com- the comics we've been talking about, you're more than welcome to do so. We welcome it. I can't wait. Hopefully you guys have some questions for us too. Or if not, maybe you want to do a shout out. We'll definitely put on a, on our next episode. So please come on down. It's And it's free, guys. That's free. It's free. Free. <laughs> gratis. Doesn't, get, doesn't gratis. get any better than free. <laughs> Pretty much, guys. All right. Well, that concludes this episode. We have uh, any shout outs or anything? Well, as always, you can uh, follow us on Instagram at Comadres Ecomics. Or you can tweet us at Twitter at Comic Comadres. And we're on Facebook, guys, for sure. Podomatic to listen to us? Of course, you know that because you're probably listening to, <laughs> to us right now, right? All right, guys. Well, thank you guys for listening. We have been your hosts. I am Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jennifer. Bye, guys. Bye. Ciao.